we give you glory, God. Hallelujah. Ain't no rock gonna shout my place. Hallelujah. Is that true for you today? Amen. Let's continue to worship the one and only God. Lord, you are worthy, Father, of everything, Lord. Thank you, God, that we're even able to be here today in your presence. Lord, make yourself known, Jesus. Hallelujah, Lord. Yes, God, all the angels, Lord. Jesus. All the saints, yes. You are worthy of 
child of God. I'm no longer a slave, yes, I'm no longer a slave to fear. Oh, I am a child of God. Yes, I am a child of God. Oh, say it like you mean it this morning. Yes, I am a child. How many sometimes here you just need a reminder of who God is? How many have ever experienced it? You just need a reminder of who he's made you. And today, what a, what a powerful song to remind us about what he's done in our lives. Well, it is so good to see uh, each of you here. Welcome to Praise Assembly. If you're a guest here today, uh, we have something in a little bit we'd love for you to do. But in the meantime, let's take a few minutes and let's greet each other this morning. God bless you guys. You are. You are welcome. And if you are a guest here today, we want to especially welcome you. There are guests, uh, there are connect cards in front of you in that seat back. If you could fill that out and uh, return it at the, at the conclusion of our worship service to our guest services desk out there, that would be wonderful. We would greatly appreciate that. And we want to say thank you for being here as our guest. We really, really appreciate it. It's so good to see you. Uh, ushers, if you'd prepare, I want to read a very convicting verse. Everybody ready for say, I am ready for a convicting verse. Anybody here? Okay. Got to throw these out here once in a while. James chapter 4, verse 17. Probably, if you've been a Christian any time, you've probably heard this verse. Anyone then who knows the good he ought to do, or she, and doesn't do it, sins. And, you know, I think in life, how many have the things you, things you know you should do, and you, ah, I didn't do it, and you're like, ah. You know, and, and we can kind of get wrapped up in that. We can kind of get beat down in that. But I think it goes to giving, too, when it comes to giving, being generous. Sometimes there are things that we know we ought to do. God's asking us to do it, or he's put something special in our heart. And because of circumstances or excuses or whatever, we don't do it. And I think, again, that can tide over to giving in our life. You know, when, when we give, that gives you the ability to do good. How many love doing good? I mean, don't, isn't it incredible to be able to do something good? And so even in, in the area of giving in our lives, and we know we ought to be generous people, maybe there are pockets and moments in our life when we're not, and God's calling us to something higher. He's calling us to obedience. So let's do that this morning. Lord, we honor you in our giving. We want to do good. Uh, Lord, we know that uh, uh, giving can change people's lives, bring the gospel to people that would never hear it, bring relief to others, bring help and ministry to so many. And so we give today knowing that it is good. We give today knowing that it's going to change someone's life. Lord, we say thank you for that in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Praise the Lord. Thanks, Pastor Hans. The Spirit slapped me upside the head with that verse. Right, Deb? It's so sweet.
worship team, we appreciate you guys. Thank you for bringing us good ministry every week. Hey, uh, pull out your bulletin if you would. We have some announcements we want to make sure you're aware of. Uh, today, if you have young ones, you'll be aware of, especially in the uh, pre-K and nursery area, that we have a new check-in procedure that begins today. Uh, I want to thank everyone that's been a part of helping make that happen uh, technology-wise, but that is happening because we want to make sure, I believe Praise Assembly is actually a very safe place, but we want to make sure that we're continually improving in that way. Hey, a few things, I'm just going to com- not combine, but hit these really quick. Um, we, uh, here, here at our church, we really provide tremendous ministries for, especially for those um, uh, young ones. And we have some things coming up uh, May 5th and 7th, which is this Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Uh, the uh, part of the uh, eight, grade 6 through 12 and Royal Rangers are going to be uh, down in Virginia at the Blue Ridge Adventure. That's going to be happening really quick here. Um, we have this summer, we have our registration for Stellar VBS. That's the theme, Stellar, like space. That's happening June 26th through 29th. Make sure you, you go to that site if you want to sign up uh, and see Lucy to be able to help with that uh, going on. Praise Youth, we have some calendar things. We have Guppy Gulch. Uh, somebody asked me this morning, is, it, is, it, is Guppy Gulch July 10th, July 17th? No, we're not going four times. We're going one time, June 30th. But we have Guppy Gulch coming up. And those that went last year know what an awesome event that is. We have Summer Serve, which is our home missions, uh, home missions trip that will be going on. Those are the dates. We've got Tower Beach, all kinds of things happening. And then we also have uh, our Ladies Breakfast and Bible Study, which is coming up May the 13th, uh, which is two weeks from yesterday. So uh, these are things that are happening. Uh, Take advantage of those opportunities. Uh, Get your kids, get your grandkids, get your neighbor kids involved in the things that we have happening here at Praise Assembly. And uh, Pastor Brandon's going to come and share God's word today. I just want to kind of commend him publicly. I mean, I work with him and uh, he's worked so hard at trying to transition some of our songs uh, uh, and, and technology pieces we have up here on the platform. And he really has worked tirelessly in that. And I just want to commend him. Great job. You know, it's really not easy to put all that together. And so we, we appreciate him. And we're excited to hear God's word today from Pastor Brandon. God bless you, man. Well, thank you, Pastor Hans, for embarrassing me before you even come up here. I'm going to do a good enough job of that myself, so. (laughs) Hey, Guppy Gulch, if you went last year, I went last year. If you want to know how out of shape you are, take the trip to Guppy Gulch. (laughs) I found out I have no upper body strength. And I was trying, my son was on this inflatable thing that you could climb up on, but it's, there's nothing to to propel you up. You have to pull yourself up. And after trying it on my own and trying to sweep my leg up there and it would slide off, my son's trying to pull me and I'm saying, please just let me go. Please just let me go. (laughs) But I had a great time. I did have a great time. And so I think I'll be going again this year if you need some workers, but I've been doing some push-ups and hopefully that's that's gonna help me. Well, it's so good to be with you this morning. As you know, I know with, Brother Rudy being here and everything, but Pastor Hans kicked back right into the seven churches of Revelation, and today I'm speaking on the church in Thyatira, and this finishes out uh, chapter two of Revelation. Something that was, I was thinking about, when I was a kid, 
go figure I would ever live in Delaware. I, I was born in New Jersey. And the only thing I knew about Delaware was that if we were taking a trip to Florida, my grandparents lived in Florida and we would take a trip once a year down to Daytona Beach. And all I knew about Delaware is it's the first, like one state down, like we, we blaze through Delaware because you're through it in 20 minutes if you're on 95. Uh, it's maybe a little slower now, but uh, back then it was just, it was the, you know, what is it? It's small wonder, it's the small state and we all know that. Um, but it was so good. But never did we, I, and now, now that I'm older and I live in Delaware and I live in Middletown, so really to go to Florida, I'm not coming all the way back up here to 95. I just go down 301 and it's, it's beautiful. 301 to Annapolis and then you connect down there. But never did we go to Florida from New Jersey and did my dad get into Delaware and say, hmm, I think I'm gonna go down Route 13 all the way. We would never have done that. We would stay on the main road. Thyatira was off the main road. It wasn't well-traveled to go through that city. It wasn't built up very much. Um, it wasn't on the main trade route. It was actually uh, just a lesser road between Pergamum, which uh, Pastor Han spoke on last week, and Sardis, which Pastor will speak on next week. It was just an in-between city uh, on, on that road and seemingly insignificant. And I would say that when I was growing up, Delaware was seemingly insignificant. You know, just get me through it, one state down, now Maryland's next. Um, but yet the smallest city received the largest letter. And it doesn't necessarily mean that it's all bad, but God had a lot to say to the church in Thyatira. So what I would like to do is read it in its entirety and then go back and kind of break them down as we go through them. I want you to see that in, in what Jesus prompts John to write is a severe warning that we need to be careful of ourselves today. You realize that all of these letters that we're reading, they have to apply to us as well. We have to say, we, we see that God was saying this to this church, but pastor I think said earlier on, these churches, these letters circulated among those seven churches. It wasn't just speaking to this one. These are warnings, and John has a severe warning for us in this letter. So Revelation 2, starting at uh, verse 18 through 29, it says, To the angel of the church in Thyatira write, These are the words of the Son of God, whose eyes are like blazing fire and whose feet are like burnished bronze. I know your deeds, your love and your faith, your service and perseverance, and that you are now doing more than you did at first. We're off to a good start. Buckle up. Here we go. Nevertheless, I have this against you. You tolerate that woman Jezebel, who calls herself a prophet. By her teaching, she misleads my servants into sexual immorality and the eating of food sacrificed to idols. I have given her time to repent of, him, of her immorality, but she is unwilling. So I will cast her on a bed of suffering, and I will make those who commit adultery with her suffer intensely, unless they repent of her ways. I will strike her children dead. Then all the churches will know that I am he who searches hearts and minds, and I will repay each of you according to your deeds. Now I say to the rest of you in Thyatira, to you who do not hold to her teaching and have not learned Satan's so-called deep secrets, I will not impose any other burden on you except to hold on to what you have 
until I come. To the one who is victorious and does my will to the end, I will give authority over the nations. The one will, that one will rule them with an iron scepter and will dash them to pieces like pottery. Just as I have received authority from my Father, I will also give that one the morning star. Whoever has ears, let them hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Let's pray. Father, this is a, a, a strong warning to us today. And Father, I'm praying by your Holy Spirit, you would open our ears, just as the verse says, to him that has ears, Lord, let us apply your word to our hearts, God. Speak to us in this time, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So if we, if we look at the beginning, this is how Jesus describes himself. He says, tell them, uh, these are the words of the Son of God. Now, something that you found in, in, uh, in, in Ephesus and in these other places they also had idol worship, and they were known for that. And we don't learn a lot about it, certainly not in Scripture, about the, the history in Thyatira. But they had idol worship to the Greek god Apollo. And if you know anything about that, he is known as the sun god. And I cannot help but feel that Jesus is saying, tell them the son of God. He is displaying his authority right off the bat. And they would know the difference between who the Son God was and who the Son of God was. Listen how Jesus says this. His eyes like flames of fire. His feet like polished bronze. Now, that right there would get anybody's attention. Receiving this letter, that would get your attention right away because the fire of God speaks of him as a judge. And he is a good judge, amen? The feet polished like bronze, again, these things also speak to his magnificence, his, his glowing appearance that, that John was describing. So the feet of polished bronze also speak of this, but they speak of his power. And again, them receiving this letter would grab their attention very quickly. So the commendation, we, we've seen this in many of the letters. I mean, there are some that God didn't have very good things to say at all. But in, as, as true in Ephesus and as true in this church, there is a commendation. They are doing things well. And so in verse 19, he says, I know your deeds, your love and your faith, your service and perseverance, and that you are now doing more than you did at first. So if you catch that, more than you did at first means they are growing in these things, like any good church should. This would be a church you would want to be a part of. One that is growing in love. Do you know when you became a believer, that was just the beginning. It was just the beginning. You were saved miraculously. If you have not been saved, I pray by the end of this you would be saved. But when you became a, a, a son of God, a daughter of God, and you received salvation through Jesus Christ, that was just the beginning. We are to be nurtured and grow in these things. Amen? I, I hope that we are in that place this morning. But as for us, again, being active and growing and, and all of these things, here's what's, what's interesting is a few weeks ago I spoke on the church in Ephesus. And Ephesus was doing many things right, but if you, if you don't remember, what they were doing wrong was it says you have left your first love. Left. You didn't lose it. You left it. 
And they were commended also at the same time for their perseverance and for their endurance. He also, if you remember, he, com he commended them on their intolerance, or they were to um, put everybody to the test. Everybody who said they were a prophet or, or came in with a word, they, they put them to the test. And if they did not prove themselves, they didn't, hear their, they didn't want to hear from them, and they, they just sent them away. But yet they had lost their first love. They were doing all of these things well, but yet they were not focusing on the one who gave them life, gave them, who deserved their love. But it's interesting to contrast with Ephesus and Thyatira. So the Ephesian church, while weak in love, knew how to judge the false teachers. Thyatira, we read, is growing in love. They're doing a great job, yet it says they are being tolerant of false doctrine. You see the contrast there. It's, it's a great one. But the truth is both extremes for us need to be avoided entirely. We need to avoid these things. So we come to the condemnation that, that Jesus has for them. And in spite of all they were doing right, and in spite of their growth in love and faith and service and perseverance, he says these words, nevertheless, I have this against you, you tolerate that woman Jezebel who calls herself a prophet. By her teaching, she misleads my servants into sexual immorality and the eating of food sacrificed to idols. He's given her time to repent, but she has been unwilling. And therefore, I, I'm not going to go back and read all of these verses. Therefore, he will pay her for her deeds. You know that we receive reward for our good deeds. But this says Jesus will also repay for, for the evil that this woman's doing and with us as well. Jezebel. Now, I've, I know that I have mentioned my family in sermons before. I know that I've mentioned my wife. But I have a shock collar on this morning. And if I at all say Lynn and Jezebel in the same sentence, Pastor Hans is ordered to just jolt me. I won't say anything. I, I, I have this in my notes. Make no correlation. Jezebel. Do you remember Jezebel? So my understanding would be from reading the text, this is not her actual name. I, I believe it is the spirit of Jezebel who we read about in First, uh, first Kings. Um, but, you know, who would rename their, after the history of Jezebel, who would name their daughter Jezebel? But Jesus is saying that there is a correlation with this woman who is saying she is a prophet and Jezebel in 1 Kings. Jezebel in 1 Kings was the wife of King Ahab. And King Ahab was already known to be an evil king. But add Jezebel into the mix, and he became even worse. And she began to do things uh, overstepping her bounds, unlikely for a wife to do at that time, and, and just totally uh, lead them into the worship of Baal, another false god at that time. She was a murderer. She, she murdered hundreds of Hebrew prophets. Uh, and, and I know in Life Group, uh, Doug's been teaching on Elijah. And uh, it, it was all during that time. Elijah stood up to her and she said, you know, mark my words, if you're not dead by the end of the day, like she was furious that, that Elijah would speak against them. She was a murderer. She was manipulative. She was a liar. And she was an idolater. And here... Jesus is referring to this woman as the same, in the same breath as this woman Jezebel. 
Proverbs 6, 16 through 19 says this, there are six things the Lord hates, seven that are detestable to him, haughty eyes, a lying tongue, tongue, hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that devises wicked schemes, feet that are quick to rush into evil, a false witness who pours out lies, and a person who stirs up conflict in the community. Everything God hates, Ahab and Jezebel were guilty of. Everything. And now we come to this woman that is in the church in Thyatira. And it says that she was teaching them uh, to commit sexual immorality, to eat the food offered to idols. Worst of all, I, I, I feel, is that she was leading other believers astray. And one, one of the, you know, kind of researching this a little bit, you know, to survive in certain places. You think back to Daniel. You know, he could have made life easier on himself if he just followed the ways of the culture. But no, he stood his ground. He knew what the Lord had for him, and he stood against that. Here, this, this Jezebel, this pro, so-called prophet, was making a way for believers that way to, to live in the culture and survive and not be, uh, you know, ridiculed and all this. And they fell for it. Some of them fell for it because obviously this letter had to be written. But here's where I want to kind of break this down a little bit. Is Jesus says, you tolerate her. Do you know what it is to tolerate? Now, I want to preface this with, we tolerate people. We tolerate things. This is talking about tolerating sin. Okay? So obviously, I, you know, I, I can put up with certain things. It doesn't mean that I'm, a, you know, doing things wrong. This is called about tolerating sin. And what this word means, and I know you know what tolerate means, but I'm just going to give you a definition. It says you're allowing something that you do not agree with to continue on. Allowing something you do not agree with to continue on. Again, we're not talking about my personal opinion and how I view things, and I'm projecting that on you. We're talking about sin. You're allowing sin that you do not agree with to go on. And I think that Pastor Hans said it last week, I know Pastor has said this uh, in sermons past, is that among the brethren, among believers, it is right to go in love to somebody if they are doing something they shouldn't be doing. Now, I know quickly we think, well, who am I? You know, they could just as easily come and tell me something. That, tells, that says something about us. We need to be, if we're going to go to somebody in love and point out a flaw in their eye, we better be looking at ourselves. And, and you know, there's scripture for that as well. You're allowing something to continue that you don't agree with to go on. You become, and, and I, I love a thesaurus, and this is what it means, that you, you become permissive. You know, sometimes when you allow something to go on and you don't say anything about it, you're already condoning it. So you become permissive, condone it, open-minded, broad-minded, sympathetic, and understanding. Is tolerance not a huge issue in our world today? We hear it all the time. Today, we're expected to allow or tolerate sinful behavior in every kind of crazy way that is being forced upon us. I, I just sent an article to Pastor and Pastor Hans that the newest thing is called transabled. These are people that identify as disabled, and they will go and get an amputation, 
They will have spinal surgery to make them paralyzed because they want to identify as disabled. Folks, this is the world we live in today. This is the world we live in today. And we are looked at as, and I don't want to get ahead of myself, as intolerant when we don't accept these things. And I'm telling you, we cannot be accepting of that which God would say is evil. We cannot do that. The church's definition of this word and, and, and our hearts in it differ from the world's, obviously. Um, and I don't know, have you ever been called intolerant? You know, intolerance is defined as not tolerant of views, beliefs, or behavior that differ from one's own. Again, if we look at it as far as sin goes, then absolutely, I am intolerant of sin. And, and let, let, let it be said about me, but do you know, the, these are what the thesaurus says about intolerant. Bigoted, narrow-minded, small-minded, discriminatory. That's what we as believers standing up for God's standard would be considered by the world. And you see it every day. You see it all the time. I had a friend, I'm careful to not mention names. I've been taught about that, to not mention names. I have a friend, and we, I reach out every once in a while. And, uh, hey, you know, how you doing? Text real quick. And he said that his parents, you know, that years ago, he lives in North Carolina. They had moved back to New Jersey, and all of his sisters were there. And that whole group just up and moved to Florida. And it doesn't really affect him, Florida to, or North Carolina to New Jersey, North Carolina to Florida, not a big deal. And I said, wow, I said, that's a big move. I mean, my in-laws live there, but I even, you know, Lynn and I have always gone back and forth that I could never live in Florida, and my pure reason is the heat. I can't take the heat. This is a beautiful day right now, you know. It's not beautiful, but I, I, you know me, I love like spring. Pastor loves summer. I, I'm, I'm good with spring and fall. Those are my two seasons. So he said, I, I said, I could never live there. You know, the heat's just too much. And he wrote back, I could never live there because of the narrow mindset. To which my response was, delete. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> I didn't have to press him on what does that mean. You know, Florida is in the news all the time. And things are misconstrued. And they're, they're looked at as intolerant, as bigoted. Basketball player just came out this week. His son is now his daughter, and they were moving from Florida because she will not be accepted there, and I have to go somewhere where she's accepted. Again, these are things that the world is forcing upon us and our children that we need to be careful of. I, I Again, I knew what he was talking about. My thing is... Something I've realized with this friend throughout my, you know, from high school on is every time we talk, there's just a gap that keeps getting wider and wider. And I guess he would be the tolerant one and I would be considered the intolerant one. And that's where the gap comes. You don't have to talk about it. You just know that's, that's where this relationship is. And I've tried to talk to him about the Lord. He told me years ago, he's very private about that. Grew up Catholic, you know, whole family, uh, but just not interested in talking about it. When we are not tolerant of sin, we are labeled intolerant. We are labeled bigots. I don't know if that's ever been said to you. 
And I mean, you can, you can get into a confrontation really, really quick. And I know that most of us like to avoid confrontation, if we can. You know, it's, it's not desirable. Some of you love a good debate. I know some of you. I'm not one of those people. I just rather, nah, I don't even want to talk about it. But the, th the truth is, we deal every day. If, if you want to say that uh, being intolerant is narrow-minded, we deal with narrow-mindedness in everyday things, and we don't even give it a second thought. We wouldn't want it any other way. We, we demand it. Two plus two is four. We accept that. We don't question it. It's not three and a half. It's not four and a half. Two plus two is four. Is that narrow-minded? Maybe. Water boils, do you know? 212. Not at 200, but 212. Precisely at 212. And we don't question that. Water freezes at, come on, you know, at 32 degrees. Not at 40. At 32. These are absolutes, and we don't question them. Let me ask you this. You're flying on a plane. Mike's here today. He flies planes. You're on a plane. My family's flying to Florida this, the end of this week. You want a pilot to come on and say, hey, you want to try something? <laughs> no. You don't want the pilot being this open-minded, you know, hey, you know, let's try this, you know, no. You want the pilot that is going to tell you, I am going to get you from Delaware to Florida in one piece, and I'm going to land this plane. You want him laser-focused on that one job, right? You want him narrow-minded at that point. You want him focused. Maybe try a loop. You want to try a loop? No, you don't want to try a loop. <laughs> but when it comes to, now we enter into the church and God's standard, and somehow we begin to think, hey, let's have an open mind about this. Let's not be judgmental about this. And I want to tell you that God has a standard that we need to make our standard. We meet, we we say, let's have an open mind. We begin to tolerate that which God says he is intolerant of. Again, I want to, we're talking about sin. You may have seen this, and, and I saw it, and I felt like it, it fit great. It was, I don't know if I saw it on Facebook or Instagram. It says, first we overlook evil. Then we permit evil. Then we legalize evil. Then we, re we promote evil. Then we celebrate evil, and then we persecute, persecute those that still call it evil. Think about that. We overlook it, we permit it, we legalize it, we promote it, we celebrate it, and then we persecute those who still view it as evil. And we're seeing this every day. Isaiah 5.20 says, What sorrow for those who say that evil is good and good is evil, the dark is, that dark is light and light is dark, that bitter is sweet, and sweet is bitter. Uh, we, all, we all live a life, and we have our standards. If you, are, if you have a home, and you have kids in your home, you have created a standard that you expect of everybody in that household. And if anybody is to come into your household, they need to abide by your standard. Like it or not, you're the, you're the homeowner, You've probably said it before, as long as you're living under this roof, these are the ways we live. That is right, absolutely. Curfews, chores, these are all requirements we put on our children. Um, 
but also in, in ways like this, how we talk to one another. We would not allow our kids to say shut up when they were growing up. They thought that was like the worst thing you could say until dad said it to one of them. And that didn't go over so well. And you, you would have, I just destroyed one of my kids by saying, I was at my wit's end. I, Will you shut up? And I was like, oh, you know. But we, you know, I failed at that point, yes. But we, we tried to teach them how we talk to one another, how we conduct ourselves, not only when we're in our home, but outside our home as well. We certainly can't allow sinful behavior to go on. Who would stand for that? If, if you have a child in your home willingly sin, sinning, you won't stand for it. We can't allow illegal activity to go on in our homes. And if they don't feel like they can abide, I, I understand that the most difficult and heart-wrenching decisions you can make is to make this one. That maybe some of you have had to tell a loved one, pack your bags and show them the door. I, I understand that that has got to be, I fortunately have not had to be in that, that position yet. <laughs> and, and, but believe me, when I see some of you, and I do know of some situations, when I see those, it breaks my heart for a parent that has to make that decision. But truthfully, and then how we'll see that God works with us, we're the ones that made the decision. I'm talking about the person that will refuse to abide by those rules and that standard. They've made the decision. Why are you the bad person for upholding your standard? They've made the decision. Amen? So why would we expect God's standard to be any less than that? If we look at our households and we look at the, the people that are in it and we have these expectations, why? Would we think God's standard should be any less and that he wouldn't live up to it? Let me ask you this. If God turns a blind eye to sin, to me, that's not much of a God. If he doesn't stand behind his word and his standard, what kind of God is that? But God in his holiness and majesty, who is unwilling to compromise, that's a God worth serving. Amen. We may not like it all of the time. We may wish God hadn't said it like that or did it like that, but he did, and that's enough for me. I pray it's enough for you today. We as believers, the church today, we need to know, you need to know not just what we teach you on a Sunday or what you hear in Life Group or what you hear on Wednesday night. You need to know for yourself what the Word of God says and stand behind it unashamedly. Hallelujah. When we, we read about, and uh, just a couple of portions of scripture, Jonah. Jonah was disobedient. You know, the, the Lord told him to go to Nineveh, and he just ran the other way and, and boarded a ship for Tarshish and was not going not gonna to go. And do you remember what happened? Probably like today, a storm began to brew. And they began to call out to their gods, and Jonah knew it's, it's because I'm on the ship. Well, what should we do? He said, throw me overboard. Who would, who would say that? But you knew, throw me overboard. And sure enough, they did. I, I wonder sometimes if God would not hold a church accountable. I, I believe he would. Let me say it this way. If we are unwilling to 
stand up to a sinful behavior going on in church? How can God bless that church? We're just, we're just going to ignore it. It's, it's going to go away. They're going to leave eventually. Well, guess what? They've been here for 10 years, and they're not going anywhere, and we're not, I'm not talking about a situation here today. Please believe me. I've been here six years, so. Achan in, in uh, the Bible, in Joshua, Joshua tells them to go, to, you know, possess this land, take, take the things, keep nothing for yourself. And what does Achan do? Achan goes and he buries some stuff of, of his own in his tent. And all of a sudden, the Israelites are not doing so well. And God finally reveals, go to Achan. Achan has disobeyed. And what do they do? God tells them to take him out, stone him and the family. Because we see that disobedience, God will not stand for it. God won't stand for it. Just like we would, you know, again, as a parent, would you put up with a child that was continually disobedient? Or would you take care of the problem? And, and I know that that's going to be a whole other series of how you do that and how you go about that. I don't know that I'm qualified to do that. I probably tell them shut up. And then when I want to do that. But we've got to take care of the problem. Again, we would do this in our home. Why would we expect any less of God? The church in Thyatira had become tolerant of sin. So just as God, in, in his amazing, you, you want to talk about tolerant. I mean, just look at yourself. How patient God is with each one of us. That if he was intolerant in that way, we, I wouldn't stand a chance. We wouldn't stand a chance. God gives this woman the opportunity to repent, but she is unwilling. Maybe you've had that child that is just unwilling, unwilling, and you've got to make the decision to say, there's the door. I don't, I don't hope that for anybody. But apparently, within this church, not everybody was on board with Jezebel. And Jesus says this in, 20, in verse 24, Now I say to the rest of you in Thyatira, to you who do not hold to her teaching and have not learned Satan's so-called deep secrets, I will not impose any other burden on you except to hold on to what you have until I come. What a message of hope for those of us that, uh, you know, we are, we are trying our best. We're not ignoring sin. We're, we're speaking up to it. We're not burying our heads in the sand. But yet, even to the unrepentant sinner, to know that God is still making a way for them to come to him, still in his graciousness, he is tolerant beyond what I would ever be. So today, for us, not again, this letter is written to this church, it is written to us today. For us today, number one, we should be growing in our faith and our love and in our perseverance. Every day, we should be growing. But here's the question. What are you personally willing to tolerate? And what are you willing to ignore and turn a blind eye to? And only you will know that this morning. Again, we don't like confrontation. It would be easier to say, you know, you know ignore it, you know, pastor will handle that. I don't have to say anything. You know, or, or just hope that it goes away. I mean, have you ever, please, have you ever been in that situation? I just hope it. I hope it goes away and I don't even have to address it. To me, that's like, thank you, Lord. Like, that was my answer. Um, 
I, I, I had a situation where, I had a couple of situations where I knew I have to have this conversation. Now look, it wasn't sinful behavior that I was having to confront. It was just difference of opinion and, and whatever. And I prayed about it and I prayed about it. I may have even mentioned this before. And the first guy that I had to have the conversation with, before I could even get a word out, he said, let me stop you. He said, I'm moving to Chicago. And I went, thank you, Lord. <laughs> oh, I don't even need to have the rest of this conversation. I still had the conversation because it was still important to make sure that he understood. And again, a situation, really it came, it came to this for me. Me coming to Praise Assembly was a situation that finally I said, Lord, you have to intervene here. And it meant me walking away. And I was, I was always willing to do that. I was always willing, even in these other situations, if I'm wrong, Lord, then point out that I'm wrong and change me. But in two situations, he did the other person. In this third situation, it was me. And that's how you get me here preaching today. So thank God, you know. However, I look at it as a win for myself, being obedient to the Lord. I could have said, Lord, I'm not going. I'm going to stay here and prove that I'm right. No, that's not for me to do. And that's a, that's a whole other situation that maybe we'll get to that someday. I don't know. But at some point, we all have to draw a line. We have to be willing to not relent from that line. We, we see it all the time. We see it in the world, and nobody holds true to what they say. But God basically offers two choices to any of us, to the church in Thyatira and to any of us, is you tolerate sin and live in compromise, and you, that will lead to God's wrath and judgment, or repent and change your ways. And that is today. Repent and change from your ways. Again, parents, you have a standard. Again, even if, you don't have, if you, even if you don't have kids in your household, you still have a standard you would expect anybody coming in to abide by. But sometimes as parents, we compromise. And I understand we're trying to keep peace in the household. We don't make an issue. You, you know, we just want it to come. But we compromise our standard. But even more so, God has the standard to live by and he will never compromise it. God's standard is not up for debate. It doesn't change according to how we feel or how we think it should be. God's word is God's word. I've been seeing a lot of videos lately. They're very disturbing of so-called Christian churches who are even questioning if the Bible is literal. I mean, can, can I really say that Jesus rose from the dead? I was like, are you kidding me? If you can't say that, why are you calling yourself a church? But this is what's happening in our modern society and in our culture that is so open-minded. Jesus spoke of the narrow gate. I want to read this to you. Matthew 7, 13 to 14. Enter through the narrow gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction, and many enter through it. But small is the gate and narrow the road that leads to life, and only few find it. That's sad. But that's our world. The wide gate that leads to destruction. This is the one that believes I can live any way I want. Who are you to tell me how to live? And I can do anything I want. It believes that God, a loving God, wouldn't send somebody to hell when in truth, we were on our way to hell and God provided a way out. Hallelujah. 
Jesus said this in John 14, 6 and 7, and this is something we live by. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you really know me, you will know my Father as well. From now on, you do know him, and you have seen uh, and him and have seen him. Excuse me. Um, this person that lives in the wide gate also believes, well, all roads lead to the Lord. I mean, obviously, he's not going to send anybody to hell. And that is wrong. That is wrong. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Nobody comes to the Father except through me. I want to tell you, I believe, just as any parent would go through this, I believe that it breaks God's heart when an unrepentant sinner won't come to salvation. God has made the way. He has provided the, the, the road back to, to salvation. And I can't imagine that it doesn't break his heart when there's a world out here that just pushes him aside. But he can't compromise. He can't change who he is. And he cannot tolerate sin for he is holy. Does he love them? Absolutely. I'm not saying when your kids, when you have to make that decision to, to tell them there's the door, that doesn't mean you stop loving them. You're doing this because you love them. For those of us that have, you know, siblings or, or children or anybody that has come into this, for us, I know it breaks your heart. It, would bre it breaks my heart for you when I see it happen to you. And I know for myself it would break my heart. But I don't stop loving them, but I cannot condone the sin that they're living in. I can't. I answer to God, and God has a standard that I can't change. John MacArthur, a well-known speaker, wrote this quote. Today, sin is called sickness, so people think it requires therapy, not repentance. I want to say it again. Today, sin is called sickness, so people think it requires therapy. No, it requires repentance. To the mom or dad who is dealing with this even right now, I know it hurts. You obviously know it hurts. God knows it hurts. But think about this. Think if, if you have a household and you're not holding everybody to that standard, what's that going to do to the household? It's going to send it in upheaval. What, what one is expected to live by, this one's not expected to live by. And, and you, you create chaos. God will not have that. God will not have his house being chaos. His standard is true. And to parents, to, to those of us that are doing this, whether you yourself are living in this type of sin today, you can't condone it, you can't compromise, you can't be permissive. God says, if you will hold out, if you will hold on to what you have, again, he's not going to put any more burden on these people that are living the way that, that he expects of them. If you will hold out, it says this, to the one who is victorious and does my will to the end, I will give authority over the nations. That one will rule them with an iron scepter and will dash them to pieces like pottery, just as I have received authority from my Father. I will also give that one the morning star. Do you know what the morning star is? It's Jesus. What he is telling you today is if you will hold on, he understands that life, we're not, you know, we're not just on our way to heaven and we got no problems. We all have problems. He is saying, if you will hold on, I will give myself to you. 
And we need him, do we not? I need him today. He will give us authority and he will give up himself to us. Let's pray today. Father, help us, God, that even though we personally have our standard and we relinquish it, we don't want to fight, we don't want awkwardness. Father, I pray that you would help us to not bury our head in the sand. Lord, that we would call sin, sin, according to your word, God, according to your standard, God. And Lord, I pray today, Lord, for those that are just dealing with this, it's been a burden to carry, God. But Lord, as, as you've said to, uh, to the church in Thyatira and you say to us today, Lord God, that we can't tolerate it. We can't. Lord, because you can't tolerate it. So I'm praying, Lord, that you would help us today. As your, head, as your eyes are closed this morning, if I can pray for you in any way, I don't need to know the situation. God knows the situation. But if you would just raise your hand and say, please remember me in your prayer today, I want to include you. So would you just lift your hand and I will pray. I see your hands everywhere, everywhere. And thankfully, we have a God who hears us when we cry out to him. Father, you've seen these hands. Lord, I don't know the situations, but you do. Lord, and you know, uh, God, that it's been... Uh, a heartache for us, Lord God, for these folks that raise their hands, Lord, for those that, that haven't. Lord God, we're all facing hardships, Lord God, whether it's close family or friends or work, co-workers, whatever the case is, Lord, we are asking for your help. Lord, to be bold, Lord, to not compromise, but to stand upon your word. God, and, and trusting you that even in that, even in the hurt, Lord God, we will see your glory revealed in the situation. God, you can do amazing things, and we just trust you with that. We, we pray it, Lord God, today that you would have uh, a way to move into our hearts, God, to move into our situations, Lord, and to help us, Lord God. Forgive us if we need repentance, Lord, if we've been walking the way of Jezebel and we've been following after these things, Lord God, I pray today, Lord, that you would help us. Repent, Lord, and thank you that you don't remember it against us. You forgive us. God, but as we walk, as we begin to walk through this, Lord God, thank you that you're right there with us. You will give us yourself, Lord God, and we need you today. We need you today. Hallelujah, Lord. We bless you. Lord, we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you stand together this morning? Uh, look, I wasn't going to do an altar call, and if you have to go, you can go. But I feel like those hands that were raised, if you need to come today and just say, Lord, I've tried it. I, I've been trying, but I'm just not where I need to be. And Lord, would you help me today? I want to invite you to come today. Heather, would you come to the piano, please? I want to invite you to come today. And if nothing more, I'll pray with you. But I, I would imagine there's some people that would like to pray with you. And if that's you today, as Heather begins to play this morning, I just want to invite you. If you need, uh, you know, just a brother or a sister to pray with you, they'll be here too. Praise the Lord. Please. You don't have to wait for the piano. It's fine, but please come.
coming now, Lord God, that you would just intervene. Lord God, they're coming because they're displaying to you, Lord, they need you. They need you to move upon the situation, God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord, that you are faithful to us. For your goodness to us, Lord God. Hallelujah. end. That's the only way we can put it, Lord, and we need you to intervene, God. I pray that you would touch those, Lord God, today, Lord, that you would touch us all, Lord, as we as we ponder this, Lord, as we, as we examine our own lives and our own situations. God, that you would have your way, Lord God, that you would help us to stand, Lord God, strong, even, the, even in the face of what, what might seem like a bomb exploding. Lord, help us to know, Lord, that we're standing and being abiding by your word, God, and obedient to your word. Father, help us as we go our separate ways today. 
Lord, as we travel through this rain, Lord God, that you would give everybody traveling mercies. Lord, and we're just praying, Lord, for anybody in our, in our church family that is not well, Lord, that you would touch them in a great and powerful way. Lord, give us the opportunity, Lord God, to testify of how good you are in our lives, in our situations. Even as these have come today to pray about them, Lord, let them be able to testify how good the Lord is. We give you the praise today and we give you the honor in Jesus' name. Amen. Praise the Lord. God bless you as you go today.